0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Now, according to a study by IBM, human error contributes to 95% of cybersecurity breaches. So when they say humans are the weakest link in cybersecurity... They weren't joking. So no matter how strong your technical defenses, your firewall, IPS or IDS, they can always be circumvented if threat actors can find a way to trick a member of your staff into giving them access. They could unknowingly click on a malicious link in phishing emails. Maybe that email appeared to have come from higher management, mimicking the official emails that the employees are familiar with. Would you know the difference? Even with sophisticated Systems and processes in place. Cybersecurity breaches happen. In fact, ask any cybersecurity expert and they will tell you if it hasn't happened to your organization, it's only a matter of time before it does. So what can organizations do to minimize human errors for better cybersecurity? Well, to talk to us about this, I have online with me today, Satish Murthy, Senior Systems Engineering Lead at Cohesity ASEAN and India. Satish, welcome to the
1: show. Hey, thanks, Audrey. Thanks for having me here.
0: So, Satish, um, in fact, I was just speaking to several cybersecurity experts yesterday. And, you know, they kept saying there are two types of companies, the companies that have been hacked and the companies that will be hacked. You know, there's no other type of organization, business or company. You know, it's just a matter of time. Um, Can we talk about why humans here are the weakest link?
1: Yeah, thank you, Audrey. I think you you nailed it right, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's only a matter of time before somebody gets hacked. Um, so, and, and your point about humans, are the humans the weakest link? The answer is yes and no, because humans build the best solutions out there to make it robust. And the same humans have the tendency to leave things behind sometimes, which makes it the weakest link. So it is a process of cybersecurity resilience that as an organization, somebody has to build in and it's only a period of time. I would call it as a journey to cyber resilience, right? Mm -hmm. So you might be in the journey at say 80 or 90%, but you still need to be secure. Or if you're starting from a very early stage, like a zero or a 5%, where how do I build my cyber resilience journey as -hmm. an organization? So that's a thought process I would say rather than blaming anything on human, because we build some great solutions out there.
0: Right. Before we jump into cyber resilience, uh, I thought maybe we could um, share some examples of where employees, so it was human error that caused uh, a major cyber breach.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure. Uh, thanks, Audrey. So if you look at it, there are many, many cases, starting from social engineering on companies, car companies like Uber, Or you you might have heard these news, right? I mean, there was a case in Thailand where one of the airlines were hacked and pretty much all the passengers detail was coming up in the open. So it's only a matter of time these things can happen. And given the scenario that is happening today in the world, there are many, many state-sponsored attacks that's going on. Mm. We call it as ransomware as a service. So that has a significant uh, impact, Audrey, and uh, we we just got to start building in terms of cyber resilience around that space.
0: So then do employees need to be more aware or should it be the organization, the, the business that's responsible for providing that safeguards or better um, guardrails?
1: Uh, I'll give you a classic example. Um, I think it has to be an organizational-wide thought process, but let me start with that example, right? Having phenomenal solutions, but why does some of the best ransomware attack happen in some of the best organization in the world?
0: Mm.
1: You know, the, the idea is you have the best vault in your home and you leave the key behind. Right. Right? For, for the hackers to pick it up. It is simple as that. Um, I'll give you my own example. I have a great Laptop, I have a lot of documents. Sometimes it asks me to change the password 10 times over a year. I tried my pet. I tried my kids. I have tried my wife's name. Everything is registered already. Now I'm running out of password that I have to note it down. And eventually, if I have to note it down, it becomes in open. You know, that means it is right out on my desktop. Somebody can hack it. So you think about an organization now. There are plenty of servers, plenty of passwords and I need to maintain and manage. So that means I'm just exposing the environment much more. So this is a process that an organization takes in. So we'll, we'll talk about that in detail, but if you, in a, in a quick nutshell, as, as humans are aware that these passwords are vulnerable, we need to make sure that that learning process and beyond learning of having a security best practices around the organization, making sure all the way from physical security to to virtual security to data security, everything has to be beefed up today.
0: Hmm. You know, um, we've spoken a bit about um, zero trust architecture. How, how does zero t- how do zero trust features enhance protection for employees and ensure there's resiliency for organizations?
1: Okay, good, right? So, if you look at zero trust, it's a concept where It is not one single feature that you turn on, everything becomes secure. It is basically an idea as trust no one, verify everything. That's the fundamental idea of zero trust. So even between computers, we do not trust, we ask for passwords. So that is very similar where you start thinking about if you receive a phone call uh, when you're working or when you're related to something, you immediately think about, hey, let's verify it. Mm -hmm. Now from a Cohesity perspective, Right where I work today, we have a concept called Zero Trust Architecture, which we help to build, not just Cohesity alone, because alone we can't be the most secure solution. We got to plug in with 10 different tools and software and solution to make us one of the most secure solution. So when it comes to that Zero Trust, let me explain a little bit more. How do I make sure that an administrator, let's call him or her to be a data god? I mentioned G O D. So you trust an administrator, but what if administrator deletes everything tomorrow? Mm. We call that as WikiLeaks. The answer is no. How do you avoid an administrator deleting anything or everything? So how do you do that? In Cohesity today, we introduced a concept called quorum. So a quorum is a group of people who are responsible as administrator And one single person cannot decide that he or she would delete it, but rather he or she would seek approval from a group of people in his or her team to get things done.
0: Right. I think that would have been very useful for us because uh, just earlier this year, there was a huge breach here in Malaysia that involved a super admin having downloaded the the data of 3 million Malaysians. Now, if there was a quorum, this would have never happened. Right?
1: Yes, I agree with you, Audrey. I think there are a couple of functions, right? One is quorum. The second one is multi-factor authentication, which mm-hmm. is also very critical because one is an authorized administrator. The second could be unauthorized administrator who may or may not come. If they come in, then how do I get a response on my mobile so that I immediately can allow or deny access? Right. So having multi-factor authentication and quorum and immutability, So that even if somebody tries to delete things, it doesn't delete. So you need all these kind of architectures to make sure that the data is sitting there robust and safe uh, to protect the data.
0: Some organizations make it mandatory for everyone to attend cybersecurity awareness training, right? But beyond just education, how can organizations minimize human error? when it comes to cybersecurity.
1: That's great. So you got to understand a little bit here about evolution of ransomware, right? So an evolution of ransomware, let's call it as 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. The 1.0, when it was the primitive tool, people just come, attack, and ask you for money. Hmm. Simple as that, right? I mean, they encrypt your production data, they ask you for money, and they're pretty much not much harmful The second wave of ransomware, this was pre-COVID, if you may Mm call, where we observed where the the attackers come in, the first thing they look out for is your backup. They delete the backup and then encrypt your data. So now you're you're more vulnerable and you're supposed to pay. You have no other choice. Now comes the 3.0 wave where it has gone a little bit more, where you have double extortion, where the ransomware attacker comes in he or she deletes the backup, he or she encrypts the production, and one more thing that they do, they copy out your data, mm. right? So it's a three-wave things that we got to understand, and we got to let everybody in the organization know that dear people, we are building a cyber resilience approach, Starting from reception, all the way end to end to the data center. How do how does uh, phishing happens like what you mentioned earlier? How does uh, the social engineering happens in that perspective? How do you see more people are COVID holiday deprived? Mm-hmm. And I think like there are a lot of vengeance in which you start traveling these days. But the problem is, if I get an email, dear Satish, have a holiday in uh, in uh, in probably in Penang where I like the food there. So I would double click the email if I receive three days and four nights for free or something that is attractive. I won't think twice before I click the email lottery. So the moment I click in, the ransomware creeps in and then it can wait today. ransomware on your laptop can wait for 30 to 60 days before it can move to the next level of applications. And then it can take an impact in your servers and data centers. And one final day, it can bring the company to its knees. Right. right. So it's a whole process here.
0: Hmm. Satish, we're going to take a quick break for some messages. When we come back, we dive in deeper when it comes to ransomware attacks. And we'll also talk about cloud computing and other ways that we can build cyber resilience. All that and more happening on Resource Center. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9
1: bulldozing fine measures bfm 89.9 the business station
0: You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Satish Murthy. He is the Senior Systems Engineering Lead at Cohesity ASEAN and India. Now, Satish, before the break, you were talking to us about ransomware attacks and why it's so prevalent. Um, I'm, I'm just curious here, on why it's just escalated to a whole different level over these last few years. Is it just because more of us are online today? We are. We live our lives online. We work online. Um, is it just because more of us are now on the World Wide Web and open to ransomware?
1: Uh, in a way, you're right, uh, Audrey. Uh, this, uh, I think the COVID was a tipping point for more users to come online. So, uh, we all started working from home. We have a lot of things to do digitally. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that we do, right? So given that as, as a thought process, now there's, now you consider there are plenty of state actors also developed over a period of time. Today, there is a ransomware as a service. I mentioned this before. Yeah. You could actually pay these bad actors some whatever credit that you do, and they can actually bring down an organization, or bring disrepute to an organization or a country for that matter uh, in a really, really rapid time. So to understand this scenario and see how do we build our cyber resiliency is extremely important. Now, going back to your question on what is happening today? Are we going to see more and more ransomware attack? Today, as per statistics, you would have seen that there is a significant raise in Malaysia uh, to the matter of fact, uh, I just wrote it down to say about 79% of the organizations in Malaysia are taking a hit by ransomware. Hmm. That is significant. And an average payout in Malaysia is about 1.22 million US dollars.
0: Whoa.
1: Right. And there's a significant raise as well, about 37% raise in attacks in Malaysia alone. And this is also common across ASEAN. This is common across India and many other, I mean, countries around the world. And the, these attacks are mainly pinpointed at how do I make a disrepute or how do I make quick bucks?
0: Mm.
1: Right, so we need phenomenal training in terms of cybersecurity staff, who are well-equipped, how do I prevent, how do I make that resiliency thing work for every single organization?
0: So I also understand that cybersecurity experts, talent in the cybersecurity field is hard to come by. And on top of that, retaining these cybersecurity uh, specialists is another issue. Can we talk a bit about that as well?
1: Sure. See, uh, the, the cybersecurity specialists are one of the most hot field today uh, across ASEAN, across anywhere in the world for that matter. Uh, for for if your consideration, Cohesity, one of the top things that when we talk to any customer today uh, on the C-level, their first thought is how do I secure my environment, mm. right? Beyond a typical IT budget, today a security budget is a very must thing. So most companies now start thinking about CISO resources, right? Which is the security officer for uh, the cybersecurity solutions. How do I build a CISO arm along with IT? So gone are the days where IT and security was an afterthought, where business was something else. Today, a CISO and an IT is part of the business thought process. And CISO Mm -hmm. has an equal share in the board or if not for the board of directors or discussion points, So a CISO, given he or she is going to take up that role, now think about what is their role. Their role is to protect every crown jewel of the customers or their organization's data. And if you look at historically, uh, if you look at a castle or things, most kingdoms were holding gold. And if you see different levels of protection that they had to do before you could hit the crown jewel, So similarly, any organization today is building that approach. How can I build different levels of security, physical and virtual and cybersecurity to make sure that the crown jewel, which is data, how do I protect them? Now about the tech crunch, about the people, what I read about or uh, did a quick research is that Malaysia needs about 12 to 15,000 cybersecurity warriors by 2025. Right. Mm. So, so if you are listening uh, to this conversation, if you are a hot budding star in engineering universities or uh, or, or a, top, a top talent, there are phenomenal positions available to you today. Pick it up. Learn a lot about cybersecurity. Mm. Right. So you would see that talent coming in.
0: Now, I also mentioned that we would talk a bit about the cloud, you know, cloud immersion is this wave that uh, most Malaysian businesses are undertaking. And, you know, is now looking to call new data centers become the next data hub. Between cloud and data centers, are there is either one more vulnerable than the other to cyber attacks?
1: So, uh, thanks, Audrey. So if you look at it, uh, Malaysia is in the forefront um, of building data centers today. I would say any... Uh, companies who are looking to start building data centers, they look at Singapore first. Now, given the the comfort of power and space availability in Johor or uh, in, in larger parts of Malaysia, uh, there's a lot of reach. So if you've read the recent hyperscalers like Amazon, uh, like Microsoft, they're all starting to build data centers in Malaysia. Uh, now, in terms of that is phenomenal. So that means you have a lot of customers. I, I do visit Malaysia quite often. Now, if you see this, plenty of customers thinking about cloud in their mind because it is cost benefits and there are benefits in terms of uh, management, operational benefits and ease of use and portability. So these are some of the big benefits of uh, cloud versus on-prem. The on-prem has data sovereignty and you have the control of the data. Now, given these two scenarios, which is good on a cybersecurity front, I would say both are extremely important. If you go to the cloud, Audrey, the answer is cloud vendors' own the service, they own the assets, but the cybersecurity and resilience is part of the customer's duty Mm. or due diligence. So if I'm a customer holding my data in any of the hyperscalers, or if I'm doing it on-prem, the identical scenarios, they do not own cybersecurity issues. So that means if you are attacked, for example, in one of the cloud, your data has a ransomware attack, they are not responsible. So as an organization, days in Malaysia or anywhere in ASEAN, it is us as customers to make sure that your data is very safe and you have great solutions out there, very similar to what I wouldn't say we are the only solution like Cohesity, but there are plenty of other solutions that are out there making sure that we make it very soundproof against cyber attacks.
0: Mm-hmm. The other big thing over this last year or so has been, of course, ChatGPT and AI. You know, it's now being baked into our ERP, our CRM, you know, in everything we do at work. Of course, there are risks of leaks. And so how do organizations now manage this as well?
1: So ChatGPT, uh, great that you brought up that point and AI, So if you look at AI and ML, there's a lot of language, uh, LLM we call them as, is the models in which how the companies organize their data and get some benefits out of that. There's significant value out there. But unfortunate thing, because these are public uh, available repositories, it is like an open source uh, already today. So if you put in your sensitive data of your organization on a chat GPT, it is no way secure. Very simple as that. If my kids put in for homework, that is okay. But if you start putting in your sensitive data of your company and get some pretty interesting results, please note that others are also having an access to your data. Now, this happened somewhere in Samsung very recently where some of the very sensitive code of a company was dropped in. And there you go. Everybody had a chance to copy that. Now, the key thing to understand is making sure that we take how the, system behaves how they model and take that and take it as in-house so that you could build very similar modeling system like a chat GPT inside your organization there are talent available today who can build that for you once you do that then you have both the advantage they' secure and sovereign within your organization it also gives you the benefit of rapid analytics uh, which chat GPT would have given to you
0: so satish we've been talking a lot about different things, about cloud, about AI, about ransomware, about how your employees could be vulnerable to phishing. Now, I think there's also vishing attacks as well. Um, Can we talk now about how to build this cyber resilience? What do organizations need to do? How um, How can they start to build that first, second, third line of defense? Where do we begin?
1: Yeah, fantastic. So if you look at it, the number one starting point, Audrey, would be cyber resilience assessment, right? you got to know what you don't know and you also got to know what you have. Hmm. So in terms of people skills, where am I? Are my people enough from a cyber security knowledge? Are they there? Second, what are the tools do I have from endpoint? Because all the devices today, starting from mobile phones to laptops to identif- uh, identity identity. Uh, logins which come into the organization through VPN, through your company, through third parties who come in. So they all are coming in for identity management, right? So that's the, the part. And then to assess your servers, your applications, how old are they? If you see over the last history of, say, last three years of Malaysian attacks that has happened because of ransomware, there's one ftp server i'm just giving an example one ftp server that was not touched for last 10 years nobody had a clue that that server was there in a data center and somebody logged in mm. that's how the attack happens so having a, an assessment done to understand what are your assets how are they are they online are they virtual are they physical are they in there what are they serving Are these the most critical crown jewels of the organization? So you can classify them. You know, the top 10, uh, I would say, top 10 servers would be serving 90% of your workload. That is your core business. And then beyond that, what are the periphery systems that are also doing? So starting with an assessment, Audrey, is an extremely critical step. Right now, I would say don't stop with one assessment. Always do multiple assessments over a period of time, maybe every three months, every six months, just to know where you are in the journey of cyber resilience. Once you have done the first assessment, you exactly know where your gaps are because there are plenty of companies, including Cohesity, which does that. So once you know and establish where things are and what are the areas that you've got to improve, and then you see, you can't change everything overnight. You would agree with me, Audrey, because the budgeting, because of technical talent, because of many things. But pick up those easy ones, which can help you to stop data leaks, which can help you to improve your overall posture. Just turning on immutability. Mm-hmm. For example, on Cohesity, things like immutability, you just turn it on and then your data becomes more secure. So build such things over a journey. And then over a period of time, next one, two years, you become more and more robust over a period of time. Right? So, I hope that gives you the answer in terms of where things are. But it's a journey, I would say.
0: So what's the next step then? What happens after an accurate assessment? So, what happens after you've put the budgets in place?
1: So once you have the assessment done, Audrey, so you, you get a very clear feedback of 10 to 20 things that you got to do. Right? Some of them are the easiest ones to do. It's like turning on. So turn on those features like encryption. Making sure that you have data encryption both at rest and on the flight. So, what it means is that you're protecting your data so that it's not easily, uh, say, transferable or copied from one location to another. So, encryption is a very, very key thing. Second, make sure that you have MFA turned on. MFA stands for multi factor authentication. Right. Right. Making sure that you have your mobile device or verifying validity management or identity management along with an MFA tool. So these are, again, simple tools, but helps you to protect a little bit more, right? And then the third is, say, turn on immutability kind of thing, where you protect your data. And some of the crown jewels, Audrey, where you can turn on, um, say, we call it a cyber compliance data lock, where you lock the data for, say, five years, or three years, or seven years, it becomes tamper-proof for X number of years. So these are Ways where you can improve easily. Now, then you pick within that assessment, you pick which is the most vulnerable. See, the most vulnerable generally is the one that interfaces your customers, Mm. right? They come from different online devices. They come in and they can really have an impact. So make sure that you have the right firewalls. You have the cyber resilience tools out there, making sure that those ports are turned off, on. So there are plenty of things that we could do. And then, then you go further up in terms of improving your cybersecurity posture, right? Mm -hmm. I'll just add one more thing here, right? Things like Cohesity today, where, uh, where we bring in solutions, it actually has a cyber security posture advisor where it runs through the environment and says, hey, these are the ports turned on, these are the ports turned off, make sure that you please turn it on. So these are very simple advisory tips that helps immediately that you could take some action. So that's very simple to do. And then beyond this, Audrey, is to even go one step ahead where you start doing data analytics, where you look at compliance. Am I following GDPR, for example? Mm. I have massive amount of data. Can I follow certain compliance rules? Is my, say, a, 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 a way bill number or a simple receipt? Is the credit card visible? Right? Is these, are these numbers visible out there? Are there social security numbers that are coming up outside? So making sure that those level of information are further protected. So I would say this is a journey, but start with the low-hanging fruit. And then as you move along, improve, start building your posture. But a very important tip there is to also think about data recoverability. And you mentioned it earlier, uh, Audrey. It is not that we will never hit by ransomware. It is only a question of when. When. So making sure, assuming it happens, right? We build all of these, but still top companies are getting attacked. How quickly can you recover your data assuming there is an attack? That is a very important step. How do you build a clean room? Uh, Making sure that, assuming tomorrow I had an attack, that should nobody has that. Assuming that thing happens, how fast can I recover? Hmm. So things like, instant mass recovery of cohesity right there are similar technologies might be there outside but making sure can I bring back my business in next three four six eight hours that's a business requirement because I can't wait if I'm doing an online services for my end customer or a banking service I can't wait for next seven eight days for bringing my ATM machines up and running you agree with me So a rapid recovery solution is extremely important. As good as your ransomware detection and cyber resilience, a rapid recovery, because you can never predict how secure you need to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. Satish, thank you so much for mapping out this journey uh, for us to cyber resiliency. Now, for more information on Cohesity, um, is there a website that we can go to?
1: Absolutely. So there's plenty of uh, resources out there, Audrey. One is Cohesity.com. The second, if you hit YouTube and pick up Cohesity channel, there's plenty of information.
0: Right. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app. That's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Satish Murthy, Senior Systems Engineering Lead at Cohesity ASEAN and India. My name is Audrey Raj and this has been Resource Center on Enterprise BFM 89.9.